Hello and welcome to Underground Chicago Talk, Chicago's underground Pedway neighborhood. I'm your host, Rudolph, Alderman of the 51st Ward. Today, I'm going to be talking about the Earth Theater Touring Company, founded right here in Chicago 47 years ago by myself and the late Sanders Wilson, better known as the Colonel. Yes, Sanders and I founded the Earth Theater in 1973, sitting in a restaurant in Old Town called the Stagecoach at Wells and North Avenue. Ah, we had been talking about doing some things musically and theatrically. Sanders was a musician, myself being an actor. And we decided, hey, let's form a production company. So we put together a production company called Earth Productions. And out of that production company, we produced a theater company called Earth Theater Touring Company. Now, this month, August 20th, is Earth Theater's Education Through the Arts Day in Chicago, proclaimed by the late Mayor Jane M. Byrne on August 17, 1979. She proclaimed August 20th as being Education Through the Arts Day. And here's that proclamation because it's really an honor to have your day. This is the, uh, this was proclaimed in, uh, about 1979. And here it is now. It's 41 years ago. We still have our day right here on August 20th. Every year we celebrate this day. But here's the proclamation. Office of the Mayor, City of Chicago, Mayor Jane M. Byrne, Proclamation. Whereas the Earth Theater is a Chicago-based children's theater company which does live performances to assist children in developing skills. And whereas the Earth Theater will represent our city at the Edinburgh Friends Festival this fall, which is the largest arts festival in the world. Whereas, the Earth Theater brings the excitement of the live drama to hundreds of young people who would not otherwise have this experience. And whereas, the Earth Theater will deliver its final performance before traveling to Scotland at the Jane Adams Hull House on August 20th. And whereas, in this year of the child, the Earth Theater seeks to improve reading skills for all children and teach them the pleasure of drama and literature. Now, therefore, I, Jane M. Byrne, Mayor of the City of Chicago, do hereby proclaim Monday, August 20th, 1979, to be Education Through the Arch Day in Chicago, and urge all citizens to support and enjoy the performances conducted by the Earth Theater whenever possible. Dated this day, 17th day of August, 1979. Now that is really uh, an honor to have your own day in your hometown. And thank you, Jane Byrne. But I also like to pay tribute, aside from Sanders and I founding the company, to all the other wonderful people who went on that journey with us and made this possible. Uh, the many friends, like uh, 
who helped make the made the day possible, like Ernie Green, uh, Ernest H. Green, Earl Chisholm, Zolly Moy, Garrett Madison, Ari McMillan, Jay Torrance, Patty Lawson, James Tucker, uh, Geraldine O'Bear. Earl Jones, Kurt Kowalski, Stephen Williams, J.J. McCormick, Renee Prejean, Bill Finley, Joe Croker, Mary Ann Swears, John Passingham, Pat Patterson, Eli Taylor, Joyce Wilson, Jerry Monroe, Dan Don, Kim Nardelli, Melissa Snow, and so many more out there of earthlings who made it possible and it was a joy working with on that project and to all of you I say 15 men on a dead man's chest yo ho ho and a bottle of rum cheers my friend now I'd like to give a shout out to uh, one of my sponsors, which is uh, Sassy Hair and Stuff. They're out of Atlanta, Georgia, for all of your hair and beauty needs. Shop with this daughter and mother duo, Layla and Miri, online at Beauty Supply Store. Hair and Stuff. AmeriCommerce.com And if you need a mask, check out Moonro XIV on Essie. That's Corey. She's into making masks. She's out in California. So give her a buzz. Check her out at Moonro XIV on Essie. Check them all out and support them because they support this program and uh, I like to give people plugs who do support the program. That's where I'm at. So we all work together right here. But I like to at this time define what the Earth Theater is uh, and was about. Uh, the story of Earth Theater's origin and development is as rich in adventure and compassion and humor as are the classic tales we brought to life on the stage. In its brief lifespan, of Earth Theater has touched the lives of millions from many walks of life, young and old, rich and poor. Through the wonders of mass communication, Earth concerns for reading motivation has been broadcast across the U.S. and international borders uh, to cover over 32 foreign countries, which is tremendous. And Earth's signal is being transmitted stronger and stronger by those who have been exposed to that program and are spreading the word and celebrating here on this day, August 20th. Now, 1979 will reign as a landmark year in Earth Theater's history for two reasons. First, it marks our European stage debut of Treasure Island. Now, as a playwright who adapted the play, I felt very honored to be taking this piece of work to the Fringe Festival, which is the home of Robert Louis Stevenson. Edinburgh, Scotland. Now, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is the world's largest arts festival, and an invitation to participate in it is a highly coveted accomplishment for any theater company. While in Scotland, we uh, performed in the Scottish school system, uh, put on the same show that we put on at the festival, had a chance to do it there in some schools. And we're especially proud of this occasion because 
they uh, it was, it's the birthplace of, of the author Robert Louis Stevenson so you got to be really bold to take something that people are familiar with to take it to his hometown the second point of importance is that Earth Theater uh, we were there representing American Children's Theater this is an appropriate honor for the company that has become a major voice in the crusade for reading motivation in the U.S. Oh, back in the 70s, we were the leading company. The Earth Theater staff says that at the time that nothing could, nothing could stop us. We were innovative, creative, doing what we love. And we were doing that and making it happen as a theater company uh, while others were out begging to do their uh, work. We were doing it and doing it differently than others. We not only performed in schools with the show, we performed at uh, state fairs across the country. Uh, I myself uh, through touring I, I toured for over 10 years on the road I've been through oh, well over 40 some states and uh, international with it so I couldn't have asked for more uh, I remember uh, back when we had at one time we had three productions going we had Treasure Island, we had Robin Hood, and we had Peter Pan. Now here's where the problem came in with Peter Pan. We were doing Peter Pan, but we didn't realize that Peter Pan still belonged to Walt Disney, had the copyrights to that. So their attorney, of course, uh, got on to us and sent us a letter to cease and desist in production, so we had to shut that down. But that taught us a valuable lesson really do your research uh, on some of these old classics because uh, companies like Disney and others do hold the copyright to them it's not public domain so that was a real learning experience but hey we had fun adapting it and uh, we had fun doing it for the short period of time in which we did put on that particular show but those are the things that made us uh, back in the 70s right on up to the 80s uh, as we shifted gear and got out of reading motivation and went into uh, doing other things like Zoo Man and the Sign, uh, uh, shows that address gang violence and violence within the black community. Utilizing theater once again here to address issues that uh, were plaguing people and communities just as reading today still is a, uh, a problem in our school system. Hasn't changed over all those years. 47 years ago, as a young man, a 26-year-old, uh, trying to address that as an activist. And today, those problems still exist uh, here in America, uh, in our school system. And getting worse, considering with the pandemic and all going on now, if... In-person learning was rough on uh, children in certain communities. I can imagine the effects that uh, remote learning is going to uh, have uh, on their learning abilities because it takes discipline to really learn. So parents are really going to have to knuckle down and if they want this remote learning thing to really work. They're going to have to knuckle down, I tell you. But you know, it seems that problems never really are solved here in America. I mean, just as we we were addressing the uh, reading problem, educational problems, uh, as an activist, I know for many years I was an activist, uh, reading advocate. Uh, well, those problems still persist today. And like I said, they're getting worse and they're going to get worse. But it just seems that we never give priority to the right things here. I know I've lived a lifetime uh, and I have seen the bar move 
just a little bit just a little and here we are now people are still protesting police brutality and all the other things that come along with but I will say this if you're committed to something go ahead on and do it because I know in starting the Earth Theater uh, I had many friends to tell me uh, that uh, it wasn't going to work and all of that but at the same time telling you it's not going to work they're not doing anything to help you so if you have an idea about something go ahead on and do it don't let those friends discourage you because they will uh, tell you always it's not going to work but at the same time never pitching in to give you any assistance but I must say I uh have never been one to let my friend's opinion uh, about what I'm doing change my approach to what I am going to do because number one I'm not going to do it if I'm not going to be committed to it that's me right out the gate I'm not going to get involved if I cannot commit to it I'm just that kind of a guy I'm a committal uh, person a very committed individual uh, as a young man, when I joined the Marine Corps, I joined at 17 uh, because I was committed. I went to Vietnam, fought the war because I was committed. Got out, joined uh, law enforcement, uh, served because I was committed. Uh, it takes commitment, folks. Commitment is what it is. And right now, with all this other, uh, all these other things going on in our society today uh, regarding the pandemic and all of that we don't have any commitment the riots and uh, all the things going on right here in the city of Chicago there's no commitment going on there's no commitment to solving these issues uh, it just goes on and on I don't understand it which takes me to uh, modern day uh, modern day Karen and Becky. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, anybody ever, you remember To Kill a Mockingbird? You remember what To Kill a Mockingbird was about? To Kill a Mockingbird was about a black man who supposedly had raped a white woman. Uh, well, today's Karen and Becky is like To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. They call the police for everything. But these women has caused many a men to be arrested or killed in the process. And it can happen in any American town or city. It's a modern day to kill a mockingbird with what's going on. The syndrome of Karen. The Karen syndrome is a syndrome of angry black uh, white women who get involved in every little thing. Yeah, every little thing. The story takes uh, readers to the roots of uh, human behavior, to innocence and experience, kindness and cruelty, love and hatred, and the circumstances surrounding the alleged rape of Mary Ella. That was her name in Killer Markenberry, Mary Ella. She was a daughter of a drunk and violent white farmer. Now, that got this guy in a whole lot of trouble. Could have caused him his life had not the white guy lawyer defended him. Now, this takes us right on up to uh, here another um, Karen the Tulsa Wall Street riot started because a young black man on an elevator uh, who was an elevator operator from what I understand about the story uh, she gets on the elevator and, and gets off and tells them that the young man tried to rape her well of course uh, he lived over in uh, the, the little town there uh, Tulsa in Wall Street and uh, they gathered up a bunch of white guys got together angry drinking 
and went over there into Tulsa all on the word of this young lady Becky and uh, they killed and burned the town down now moving forward from that from Tulsa we leap up to 1955 the Emmett Till story Emmett Till was killed uh, back in 1955 on August 28th uh, he was a 14 year old black boy and he was murdered uh, in Mississippi and it shocked America the way they killed him that's what made it so bad I mean it was so grotesque it cut his testicles off and beat him to death and tossed him into the river oh. but all of that I remember it so well because I was like nine years old at the time myself and boy did that ooh that shocked the dickens out of me I mean it was like oh my god what could this boy have done then come to find out he's supposed to have whistled whistled at a white woman that's what that was all about she wanted to make her boyfriend jealous Oh, Becky, 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 please. I'm on now. Can you imagine the effects that that had on me as a young man? Oh, yeah. To this day, believe it or not, I can't whistle. Psst, psst, psst. I can't. <laughs> uh, learning to whistle and get killed like that? Oh, it just had an effect on me psychologically. I never learned to whistle as a result of that experience. No, <laughs> I mean, it seems like a joke, but it's the truth. And I'm sure it affected a whole lot of other young black boys at that time that way. But it affected me so that I never learned to whistle. Psst, psst. There you go. I still can't. I cannot whistle. Yeah, it had that kind of an effect. Now, Emmy, Emmett Till was killed July, uh, was born, uh, uh, July 25th, 1941 in Chicago here. And being a Chicago kid myself, and he was from Chicago, oh, that had such an impact. But he was killed on August the 28th, 1955. I remember it very well. Like I said, as a young man, a hot August day. Hey. And at the age of 14. Oh, wow. Mm-mm-mm. Boy, that was such a sad day and a frightening day because I was living at the time uh, on Wells and Oak in Old Town. Yep. Becky, Becky, Becky. You and Carrie need to stop. Yep. You need to stop it. You need to stop it. Put down that attitude stop it all because you're getting people's killed you know you're out here calling the police on the shutting down kids lemonade stands uh, selling water you know, we just had the other case in New York bird watcher Amy Cooper who called the police on a bird watcher because the guy's watching birds and told her to put the leash on her dog Oh, come on, Karen. Karen, stop it. Oh, man, I believe it or not, I have my own personal Karen story. Yeah. Now, uh, my, uh, the one who became my wife eventually, he was my girlfriend at the time. I was helping her move some stuff into her apartment. And we saw from the back alleyway uh, two young women Caucasian being uh, mugged by some thugs at the end of the day and yelled out at them and went upstairs and called the police and when the police arrived of course I went down to greet him and uh, told him well hey I'm the one who called you about this case uh, situation and he asked me, well, what color were they? And I said, well, I don't know from the distance in which I was at. Uh, I, I couldn't make out. And he says, you're lying. And grabbed me, handcuffed me, and put me in the car. Now, 
the Miss Becky and Karen there didn't say, well, hey, this guy yelled at him. They didn't say a word. I don't know why, but he arrested me and took me on in to the Belmont station. My girlfriend had to come and bail me out for something I, because I told him I couldn't, I could not identify the, the uh, nationality of the guys, you know, what race they were. But of course, uh, the judge threw that crap out because he knew that was crap. Uh, he recognized that I was a clean young man, ex-Marine and all that. Eh, come on, what is this? <laughs> now, I tell that story because I'm sure there are a lot of people here in America, black guys especially, who have had similar experiences just for trying to get involved in, in something. Today, you're leery about getting involved because anything could happen to you as a result of your involvement. So you have to be very careful as a black man in America what it is you get involved in. Now, in San Francisco, and it, it, there, uh, there's a politician there by the name of uh, Shanman, I believe. Shanman Walton. And uh, who has introduced the Karen Act. C-A-R-E-N and it stands for Caution Against Racially Explorative Non-Emergency Act uh, to make it illegal to falsely report crimes in a racially biased manner. Now you would think you would need a bill to express that. Just use the law that exists already for false report you make it arrest that's what you do all these excuses uh, well they did this and they did no if they make a false report file a false report arrest them that's all but those are just a few of the other things here in America that black people have to have laws for hair wearing hair braided wearing a mustache wearing a beard it goes on and on and on Wearing a natural. <sighs> so many things in 2020 that we're still dealing with that no one else has to deal with here in America. So, let's go forward in this historic year of pandemic and all with uh, Joe Biden finally selecting uh, Kamala Harris to be his running mate. Hopefully that has added a whole lot of energy to uh, the campaign. So let's drop our differences and uh, for the time being and look forward to getting and electing a new president in America. Going forward, it's Biden and Harris. Now, I hope the rest of America feels the way I do. It's time for us to get back on the right foot. Things haven't always been the same, have been uh, great. But you know what? We were always working towards making them better. And that's what we've lost at this time. Working to make them better. Uh, finding our better angels. Yeah, we're aware of all the crap that's going on. But you know, inside of all of us, there is a better angel. Let's do that and make it possible in 2020. And thanks again. And remember, August 20th is Earth Theater's Education Through the Arch Day. Mask up. Be safe. And keep the faith. Bye. Until next time.
Hello and welcome to Underground Chicago Talk. I'm your host, Rudolph. So come on in to Chicago's underground neighborhood. Today, I'm going to be talking about Congressman John Lewis, the iconic civil rights activist and rapper, businessman, born-again Christian, political presidential candidate, Kanye West, and 23-year-old Chicago activist, Jamal Green. So settle down and come on in and enjoy the time with us here in the underground headway here in Chicago. Now, Congressman John Lewis passed a week ago, sad to say, and I also like to pay tribute to and offer my condolence to C.T. Vivian, whom I knew from Operation Breadbasket here in Chicago, had the pleasure of being mentored by him. Uh, he also passed. But John Lewis served in the U.S. House of Representatives for Georgia's 5th Congressional District from 1987 until his death here two weeks ago. Congressman Lewis received many honorary degrees and awards, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom and which President Obama bestowed upon him. Now, my first awareness of John Lewis dates back to the March on Washington in 1963. Now, in 1963, I was a young 17-year-old kid, and I saw John make that speech there with Martin Luther King and Bibbled uh, and all the other guys. And I asked myself, what is it that I can do as a young man to make a difference? Because I admired his courage and energy. So I was looking for my place in the movement. And uh, surprisingly, I was ready to walk to California. I was preparing to hitchhike. I had gathered up my maps and all of that and I was preparing to walk to California, hitchhike. However, I was set on going to California as a young man in 1963 and believe me, I had gotten my maps and I was studying them and talking to other young friends uh, here in my neighborhood and they were looking at me you know, rather cross-eyed. Oh, you you gonna walk to California? Yes, I'm gonna walk to California. I'm hitchhiking if I have to. That was my attitude. I wanted to get to California. But at the same time, I wanted to make a contribution and I wanted to play a role in the civil rights movement. I wanted to make a difference. And then all of a sudden it happened. I happened to be over on Milwaukee Division there in the uh, recruiters building there, the Marine and the military recruiters were in that building. And I saw this Marine standing outside there in his dress blues. And I tell you, I saw myself in him. And I went on up, took the exam, passed it. And the rest is history. I had found my way to California. I had found my spot and doing my bit to help in the civil rights movement. I was going to represent young black men of that time period. And Terry Hilliard, who went on to become the superintendent of police here in Chicago, he and I and Jesse Brown, who they named the VA after, uh, here in Chicago and of course I 
went on to form my own theater company and have my own day here in Chicago, Earth Theater Arts Education Through the Arts Day, which is August 20th. But those were the type of guys we were back then. We were eager to do our part and uh, make a difference. And then, after joining the Marines, the war broke out. Yes, the war. So there I go now. John and all of them back here doing their thing, fighting for civil rights. And I'm in Vietnam fighting to stop the spreading of communism to let them tell it. And all hell is going on here in America. It was a very confusing time because we're fighting an enemy for something that we didn't even have here. Freedom. It was very complexing, very confusing. But we believed in our soul that we made a difference. And we did. We moved the needle, not as much as we wanted to, but we moved the needle. And that was something John Lewis knew in the nonviolent civil rights movement, that it was just to move the needle. He knew that it wasn't going to go as fast as we wanted to, but we could move that needle. And we did move that needle. So today, I salute Congressman John Lewis. Rest in peace, my brother. Rest in peace. And thanks for your contribution. And I thought that uh, George Bush, Bill Clinton, and President Obama gave Congressman Lewis a wonderful honor, honorable send-off. Salute to you, John. Well done, my friend. Well done. Now, I want to make a transition here to show another brother transition to Kanye West. Now, here's a brother from Chicago, from the Chicago South Side, who went on to become a, uh, uh, a rapper, a very successful rapper. And he has qualified for being on the ballot because he, all you got to be is 35 and have the money to get the signatures and all of that. Uh, he thus far has qualified for uh, ballot access to uh, uh, be on the ballot in Oklahoma. And he held a rally just recently in South Carolina. And uh, sort of went off the went off the rail there, you know. He's reportedly running for uh, president under the third party birthday party. Uh, it, that's a weird name, third party birthday party. <laughs> now I can I can relate to him running because back in the nineties. I was a member of the Reform Party uh, of Illinois, and I ran on the reform ticket for Alderman uh, in my ward at the time, which was the 46th ward. Uh, Helen Schiller was the alder uh, woman of the ward, and uh, I was a very active member in uh, the Reform Party during that time. Ross Perot was our leading candidate. He was running for president. It was a hell of a time. But I can I can identify with Kanye that way because Kanye thinks he's the first to, to do this, obviously. But no, we, we all stand on the shoulder of other people. Matter of fact, I just lost a, a dear friend of mine, Robert Frazier, who worked in my campaign, helped me organize it. Uh, Walter uh, Hunter, a very good friend of mine, uh, provided assistance. 
So when you're out there running, you'd be surprised where you're going to get uh, your your help from. But these two gentlemen really helped me to uh, uh, organize and get in the game. Wally Hunter was one of the best organizers uh, politically, and uh, Robert Frazier, very good organizers, and knew the game of politics here in Chicago. But what I what I didn't like about uh, Kanye's uh, rant and his, at his campaign rally was his knocking over Harriet Tubman's tombstone. I mean, it was like going into the cemetery, just knocking over her tombstone. I couldn't understand that. Why are you beating up on this woman uh, for her work? When did, when did her work become evil? That's the part that got me about the rant. It's like, brother, where are you? What are you doing? What are you talking about? Harriet Tubman didn't free the slaves. She just took them to work for other white folks. Yes, but the part you left out, Kanye, is that wherever she took them, they were getting paid this time uh, for their work. They were able to raise a family. They were uh, able to sleep in on a Saturday if they wanted to. That was the benefit of being free, my brother. You missed all of that. I mean, come on, you know. I, I I didn't understand that rant. I didn't understand him beating up on Harriet that way. He, he need to really get his get back on his meds or something. Now, other than that, you know, yeah, you have a right to run and uh, uh, think outside of the box, but also there's a sense of reverence you must show and give to those who have gone on before us, those whose shoulders we have stood upon. Give that credit to her Kanye please come on and now you're calling yourself a born again Christian and all of that what what a combination you know what a combination you you're you're Christian I'm not going to question your um, your being born again that's your business but when you come down to beating up on uh, iconic black figures you need to keep your mouth shut if you're not going to pay tribute to these people. Because one day, believe it or not, as crazy as you may come off, there's somebody, some young brother or sister watching you, and they want to be just like you. I can remember when I was a young man, there was an old gentleman by the name of Eli Taylor. And I always remember Mr. Taylor told me, as a young man, he says, Rudy, no matter what you are, remember there's somebody who want to be just like you. So try to be the best of whatever it is that you are. And I've always remembered that. And my endeavor of uh, doing whatever I have tried to do in my lifetime, I remember the fact that, hey, somebody's watching you. A year ago, uh, uh, a young Kanye uh, supported young Jamal Green here in Chicago because he was running for mayor. And Kanye got behind him because Kanye is from Chicago. He came in, he got behind him, supported him. Now, looking at it, Kanye would, that money he's spending now would go a long way if he was just continuously helping young Green. You know, Green is a 23-year-old young black man, uh, and he's been shutting down Chase Banks here in Chicago because of their lack of investment in the black community. Uh, black people are putting their money in Chase banks on the west and south side of Chicago. And Chase is not making any kind of uh, loans or credit card, credit or anything to them for that money that they're putting in there. So uh, young Jamal Green and his crew has been out here uh, shutting down Chase banks on the south and west side simply by finding customers who 
are uh, with Chase and have bank accounts who are going in, shutting those accounts down. So apparently he's having a tremendous impact because there's about six or ten of them that he has actually shut down. And uh, Chase, I think at this point, is prohibiting and forbidding him from even going into uh, uh, Chase Bank. And they've closed out all of his uh, accounts with them, investment accounts and everything else. But, you know, you're touching them when they start doing all of that uh, to you because of the tactics in which he's applying, that is taking an actual customer in to the bank and shutting the account down. That's proof in the pudding right there. Uh, So I say to uh, the listeners out there in Chicago, support this young man. He's uh, uh, making a difference and trying to make a difference, and he's very conscious of what's going on here in the city. Uh, And talking to the young people and trying to address what the issues are and every time there's a shooting people say well why don't you why don't you do something about that Jamal Jamal is doing what he's doing you have to find what it is you can do he found his calling and his calling is to do what he's doing as an activist Uh, going behind the scenes and pointing that up because for many years uh, the blacks on the west and south side were just happy having uh, a Chase Bank in the neighborhood. And the only thing they were getting out of it was a free notary service. <laughs> yeah, free notary service. That's the one thing Chase gives their customers. And that's all that blacks on the south side and west side was getting out of Chase. And Jamal has brought and pointed that out to them. And that's why Chase is doing what they're doing now. Uh, They're resisting. Uh, But they are also going to have to make a difference and make a change. Because if black customers are going to continuously deposit their money into Chase banks, and Chase is not going to uh, show any reciprocity here, uh, then what's the sense in banking with them and they're using your money and giving it to other people so I say to young Jamal kudos my brother kudos to you young fellow keep up the good work and you and your crew stay on it keep doing what you're doing and hopefully your boy Kanye will come in here and uh, go ahead on and help develop uh, the uh the Regal Theater out there on the south side. I heard at one time he was uh, going to be a, a partnership in the development of that. These are the kinds of things that we need here in Chicago, creating jobs for these young people. And our mayor, you know, people talk about what is it that we should be we we have a park system here that's been dismantled as far as services to young people i wish the mayor would go ahead on and revamp the park district and bring back the programming for these young people they keep talking about the kids are out on the streets and have nothing to do and this and that we have a park system at one time our parks were packed with young people's activities, recreational activities. Uh, We need to bring that back. We need to reopen these parks and start providing those services again. Badly. And I encourage the mayor to, to revamp the park system. That's what we need. And here we are now. We're shut down because of corona and god knows if we make it out of this or not but i'm praying that we will and uh we'll see a better day here in the city and my heart goes out to uh the family of the young boy that was just killed uh here on the north side the other day nine years old uh to his family Uh, my condolences and 
to those who know something. If you know something, say something. You know, there are ways to call the police, you know, and make, drop that dime, as they used to say. Because they're violating the community. When you kill people in your community, there's a violation there. You're killing. So you owe nothing to this person by turning them in to the police. Now, when people say defund the police, that mean that defund the police they've turned it into they weaponized it to mean do away with the police department nobody wants to, the police department to be done away with we all need the police but we don't need the brutality of the police we need policing and defunding the police mean put some money into other aspects of policing go back to community policing and to Black Lives Matter, hey, keep doing what you're doing. And thanks for all of the partnership of my uh, white brothers who, and sisters who are out there in the movement making a difference. Let's keep making a difference of nonviolence. And if John Lewis taught us anything, it is the power of nonviolence. Yes, the power of nonviolence. There is power in it. So let's do it peacefully. Even though they're out there with weapons ready to go upside everybody's head. But let's take a page from Congressman Lewis' notebook. And Dr. King, and that is nonviolence. That's the message that John left with us the power of nonviolence. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. For we have miles to go before we sleep. Good night, John. Good night. Job well done, my friend.